following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. We're in the middle of a series called All In. Um, trusting the promises of God. And I would say it's been a, a rel- you know, some relatively heavy things that we've been working through. Uh, if you wasn't here last week, I'd encourage you to go check out the podcast, go check out uh, YouTube, and, and just uh, think through that. Just listen through that, and, uh, and um, really, you know, that would be good to have listened to before we get to what we're looking at today. And, and we've looked at some things that, that are, are a little challenging, okay? We have looked at some of those, those challenging things, and I'll tell you that today presses on me a little bit, okay? It's a little outside of my wheelhouse, if you will. But we're not going to back away from it. We're going to, we're going to plunge straight into it today, church. Um, Jamie talked, through, talked to a, a topic last week that over time, um, I've seen people that I, I love, look up to, and respect on, on both sides of it, uh, disagree with one another. And today, we see ourselves right in front of another topic like that. We see ourselves right in front of another topic like that. Um, I couldn't think of a great name, okay? Sometimes the names just come and they just fit what you're going to talk about. And I just, I, just couldn't, I just couldn't get there today, okay? So we just named it this. I don't know. We just named it this. So why not? Why not? Anybody better ever been in a backyard brawl? Anybody? Some, some are smirking and some are like, why would you bring this up right now? That's fine. That's fine. Everybody, anybody ever been in a backyard brawl? Has, has anybody ever heard a parent maybe say something along, hey, why don't you guys just take this outside? You ever heard anything like that? <laughs> I've said it. <laughs> Anyone ever get into one of those fights when you was a youngin? You ever been in, you ever been in one of those, those battles? You still a young one. You got a couple more to go. <laughs> Maybe there's a question to ask before that question. Did you have siblings growing up? More specifically, did you have brothers? I'm not saying that you ladies couldn't have taken it to the backyard every once in a while, okay? Did you have a brother growing up? I do, in fact, have a brother, is he in, is he, and he is here, okay? We won't talk about all those things, okay? But I will tell you that as a brother, there's a look in the eye that you know he might be littler, but he's done. <laughs> and my question is, is in those backyard brawls, okay, in those types of settings, who wins? Who wins? Is it the person that was right? Is that who, the person that was originally right, is that who wins? Is justice served correctly? Or is it the person that was strongest? Or is it the person that got craziest the fastest? Because you are, if you got a brother, you know, brothers take things to a different spot, don't they? They do. They do. Or when they entered the backyard, did it even matter what was even going on anymore? Now we're just frustrated at one another. Now we're just frustrated. Now we're just frustrated to be frustrated. 
What happens in the backyard isn't always fair. What happens in the backyard isn't always fair. This week we're looking at a topic that over time theologians have disputed back and forth. People have disputed back and forth. People have caused problems in churches. People have left churches. People have gone, have, have grown disgruntled with their brothers and sisters in Christ. This week, as we push into this topic, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this, that I've wrestled with this. I'll just say this, that this is a little outside of my wheelhouse, okay? And here's the deal. When I hear it spoke about, seldom ever can I, can I remember non-believers disputing it or even caring about it. I just can't, I can't really recall non-believers that ever even just mattering to them. But this is something that takes place inside the church. This is something where opinions formulate inside the church. And, and when we come into it, we bring into this points of view. We do. We bring points of view into this. And sometimes we don't if we're honest, we don't even know exactly where they came from. But we show up with them. So here's the topic. The topic is eternal security. That's the topic. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you've never even heard of that. And you're like, oh, what's, he, oh, what's he talking about? Maybe the way you heard it was like this. Here's another way to say it. Once saved, always saved. Maybe that's the way that you've heard it. Or the opposite of that being eternal insecurity. Eternal insecurity. And sometimes these things are said like this. Well, uh, one says that, that you were once saved, so you always will be. And the other says, well, you have the free will to walk away. And then there's, the, there's those that will say things like this. Well, they were never really saved in the first place. And we enter into this realm of almost like children looking for the line. Looking for the line. What, what is the line? I just, I just want to know the line. Where's the line? Where exactly is the line? I'm just going to cherry pick one here real quick. Judas Iscariot. Was he in? Was he out? Was he ever in? To say he's out would be to acknowledge that he was once in. And I'm just cherry-picking something and just throwing something out there for thought. Just, just maul it over. Just maul it over. I'm not sure where you personally land with this. I'm not even sure if you've ever even thought about this. I'm not sure if it even matters to you. Here's my prayer, though. We're, we're going to look at a slew of texts today. And, and here's my prayer. My prayer is, is this, is that God's church pulls together and says, we're on the same team, bro. Same team. 
And I'm not talking about during Christian church. I'm talking about the church. The church realizes they're on the same team. Maybe the appropriate place to start this was how we've been ending youth group. And we all come to the huddle and put a hand in. Rallied around the cross, rallied around Jesus the Christ, and say, same team. Same team. I don't know if you can get there today, but I would invite you to, to, to possibly agree with me to wrestle with the text and not anyone else. Just wrestle with the text and not anyone else. So with that in mind, let's, uh, let's pray. God, we are not God and you are. God, we pray that your spirit reveals truth and encourages us, God. That what we do together will be done to glorify and build up your kingdom. That what we do together will be done to motivate and energize our worship as a lifestyle. God, I I pray that you have your way with us in the next several minutes. God, I, I pray that you allow our walls to come down, our hearts to open, and that we just wrestle with the text on an individual level, God. You are God, and we are not. And we love you, and we thank you for pursuing us. And we thank you for the work that you're doing and are going to do in our lives, God. And we praise your name because you have provided a way where there was not a way. And it's through your son alone that we stand in your presence someday. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, now that we got that out of the way... All right, so what, 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 why is there confusion? Why, why is there confusion with this? Why do people land in different places with this? Why? How could that be? How, why is there confusion? Why do people land in different places with this? Um, okay, here's the deal. This is my opinion, okay? This is my opinion. If I'm going to speak honestly here, in my own opinion, I see that the text can be used to support both sides. I see that there could, there's text to be used to support both sides. I've, I've listened to and read through ministers and theologians who seem to favor one, one side over another, and they produce text that seems to support one side over another. And if I continue to listen and listen to their opinions, I can, I can continue to walk that direction, and I, and I see that. And I, and I experienced that for, for myself. 
the controversy in the topic isn't about preacher versus preacher today, though. It, it, it's really not. It's not even about theologian versus theologian. It's, a, it, it, it is, it's not about denomination versus denomination. It, it's really not. The dispute today is really Jesus versus Jesus and Paul versus Paul. And I know that when you first hear that, and even saying that, it's like, whoa, what? But that's where the confusion comes from. That's where the confusion comes from. Let's look at it. Here's our memory verse for the next week. And I did read through Mark's work along with several other people's work in preparation for this. Our main memory verse for this next week is John 10, 28. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand and no one will snatch them out of my hand boy that is good news that is good news no one no one will snatch them out of my hand no one and Jesus is addressing a problem here with the Pharisees trying to sway his followers away from him and it's if he steps in and he says and over my dead body Over my dead body will that happen. They will not be snatched out of my hand. That statement, we we find some security, right? Absolutely we do. We find some security. That nothing can snatch us out of God's hand. And then then later, Jesus speaking in, in John 15 Verse 1 through 11, we see something that sounds a little different. I'm just going to read part of this here. It says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me. That's... And I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch that dries up and has gathered them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me, And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now we can begin to see, well, is it secure or is it not secure? What's with the remaining? Earlier you said nothing And you begin to see, wow, okay. Well, let's continue to think through this. Most people will go to Paul next. They, they, would, go, they would go to Paul. And we see similar things in Paul's writing. Uh, Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Boy, that is secure. Nothing can separate us from Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love found in Jesus. 
We see a strong reassurance there of security from Paul that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ that is in Jesus. And then a few chapters later, we see a, a similar gardening illustration that Jesus used from the writings of Paul. Romans eleven seventeen through 21. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right, they were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Do not be conceived by fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. So what do we do? You can see, you can see that there seems to be these two sides laid out. You can see how one might arrive one direction or another. And we've, we have, we're not going to exhaustively look at this today. And we are just looking at a couple of verses. A couple of verses from Jesus and a couple of verses from Paul. But you can see how differences of opinions may begin to be formed up. So what do we do? What do we do? Where, where do you go from there? Here's where we have to wrestle with the text and understand we likely, like many smart people before us, don't have it figured out and won't have it figured out. For if we had it all figured out, we might just act like we're God. We might just be a little big-headed and too big for our britches. Could it be possible? Could it be possible? Here's my question. Could it be possible that both sides are emphasized in the text? Could it be possible that both are emphasized in the text? Might it even be possible for us to strive to understand the emphasis put on both sides? Might it be possible for us to strive to understand the emphasis put on both sides? Is this what Paul's getting at? In Philippians 2, 12-13, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to add desire and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Could it, could it possibly be that that's what Paul was, was getting at? Oh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Some of us did a little foot racing this week. It's good. Got out and... Did some running. It was good. It was good. It's good stuff. Enjoyed it. Good to see. Good to see. Good to see folks out there having some fun, sweating together. First Corinthians nine twenty four. I've always been a bit of a runner. I know that's kind of weird. A lot of people aren't. 
I'm, I'm kind of weird though. Okay? I know. I know it. I get it. I think that's maybe why I've always been drawn to this piece of text. In, in Paul's running analogy. That he, that he laid out to the church at Corinth. And he said, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things so that they do not obtain a perishable wreath, but we and an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as to not run aimlessly. I box in such a way as to avoid hitting air, but I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself not, will not be disqualified. That race is life with Christ. A couple of questions. Just, just a couple of questions. What race was Paul running? What race was Paul running? Why was he worried about being disqualified? What did that disqualification mean? What did that mean? He's, he's mixing some athletic terminology together here. He's mixing some running and he's mixing some boxing together. He says, I box in such a way to avoid hitting air, but I strictly discipline my body. The Greek there for strictly discipline was literally, I blacken my own eyes. There's effort being put out there. Remain in me. There's effort on Paul's part that he's speaking about. No, I discipline myself to the extreme. So as we continue to work through this together and just wrestle through this text, there's a couple of principles just to consider and to think through today. Um, These principles are not necessarily all my own work but they have definitely been digested through my own filter and wrestled with, okay? Uh, you'll, if you read through the, the, the chapter this week that we're going to be working through, you'll see some of these things kind of pop out, and they'll be worded different, and you'll see, eh, that's, this, is where, this is where I landed. Principle one, our. Our security depends more on God than us. Or your, your security depends more on God than you. The pursuit is always there. The pursuit is always there on God's behalf. I've heard it said like this, uh, God was never lost, we were lost. And that's 100% correct according to scripture. We were the lost ones. God was not lost, God was always God. His pursuit of us is always there. Like a parent with a missing child, think for a moment. I can guarantee you this, that if my child was missing, you couldn't even get on your social media feed because all you would see is pictures of my kids. You'd be so tired of looking at it. Every one of these polls would have a picture of my kids on them. And I would not sleep or I would not eat until every rock was turned over because those are my kids. And I will pursue them. No stone will be left unturned. There's a song that we occasionally sing. 
and it describes part of this, and I, I don't know where you fall with it, and it really doesn't matter necessarily. But it talks about the pursuit of God after us. Because he loves and cares for us. He never stops pursuing. Never. God's, God's not going to stop pursuing you. He's not going to stop. Matthew 18, 11 through 14 says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, he will not leave the 99 on the mountains and go search for the one that is lost? And if it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices more over the he rejoices over it more than the uh, 99 that have not gone astray. So it is not the will of the Father who is in heaven for one of these little ones to perish. Now, I'm not a sheep farmer. I've never been a sheep farmer. I don't know anything about sheep farming, okay? I spent some time around some cattle. And this is what I know about general livestock management, okay? If all my livestock are right here and one of them disappears, wanders off, Something happens to him. It makes sense to tend to this. It makes sense. But if you talk about my kids, and one of them's gone, you guys stay at home. I'll be back. I'm not going to call it reckless love. I'm going to call it perfect love. The perfect love of a parent. But it doesn't make sense to a world that doesn't have Jesus. It doesn't make sense. Why would, you, why, would you, why would you risk like that? God never stops pursuing. He never stops pursuing. He doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care how long you've been doing. He is not going to stop pursuing you. Principle number two. Let our, primary, let our primary focus be on our own security. Here's the deal. When it comes to this topic, most of the time when it's talked about, most of the time, the target is not us and our salvation. The target is other people. It's talking about other people. It's talking about where they're at and what they've done. And is that the way they're supposed to be living their life? Which, in fact, you can't even know. You can't know their relationship with the Lord. You just can't. Because it's a personal relationship. Let our primary focus be on our own security. It doesn't matter where you land here. It, it really doesn't. Storms in life, they're going to happen. Okay? They're going to happen. And I know that that's not the like, oh, that's in, that was encouraging. Thanks for breaking that down for us today. Storms in life are going to happen. The unexpected is going to take place, okay? If I were to tell you anything different, it would be contradictory to what, to what Christ tells us. Expect the storm. I've heard it said like this one time. You're either in the middle of the storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're preparing to go into a storm. Satan uses those storms to shake us. Why would your God, why would your God allow that? Why would he let that happen? This is the way that you're, this is the love that you talk about with your God? 
And if there's been an unexpected that's happened in your life and it shook you to the core, understand it's okay. We look, we look throughout scripture of men and women who were living for the Lord that were shook to their cores because of storms that took place in life. Their faith was literally shaken. But God didn't stop pursuing them. God didn't stop pursuing them. Unexpected things can happen. And we want to say, we'll run too. But sometimes, run from happens. Uh, they've, they've fallen away. They've, they've fallen away. Or, ah, they never really had Christ to begin with. Honestly, neither one of those seem nearly as important as about being about the business of Jesus to seek and save the lost. Neither of them, neither of them seem as important to me. What's our business? Is our business about seeking and saving the lost? The response matters more than the opinion, if you will. The response matters more than the opinion. James says, this is the half-brother of Jesus. He also denied who Jesus was until later. Then he would become the the pinnacle of the church in Jerusalem. He would also uh, write the wisdom literature in our New Testament. And this is what he had to say. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you strays from the truth... What is he getting at? And someone turns him back. Let him know that the one who has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. But here's the good news, and here's principle three. Your security depends more on God than it does you. Let our primary focus be our own security, and you are secure. If you're asking the question, you're secure because you wouldn't be asking the question. You wouldn't be thinking through it. Principle three is this, you're secure. Living life and living it to the fullest is not living life in fear that you could accidentally stumble somehow and lose your salvation. That's not living life and living it to the fullest. That's not living in the rich promises of Christ. That's living in fear. But living your life doing whatever you want, premeditating God's grace and forgiveness because I once was, that's not living for Christ neither. That's living for self. And if we get too far off in the middle of either one of these and start pushing that direction, we'll end up eventually on one place or the other. And that's the problem. Might it just be that we emphasize both of these texts where these texts are emphasized? And we just continue to wrestle with those texts and wrestle with those texts and not with one another and not with anyone else. And we continue, like Paul says, to work out our salvation. I think both of those things, in my opinion, have missed the point. Uh, They've both both missed the point. The gospel is eternal security. That's what the gospel is. It's the good news. It is eternal security. 
We have our hope in a personal relationship with Jesus. We have our hope in a personal relationship with Jesus. John 3, 15 through 17, you, you know this. So that everyone who believes will have, him, will, uh, will have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what, God, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think God wants us to hold these texts in tension because we're not God and he is. Not worrying and trusting fully in God, but also understanding that he will not be trifled with. He is loving and compassionate, but he is also fair and just. We see this in the story of David and Goliath. And that's going to be a, you know, a, a big chunk of the, hey, re, you know, reading through this this week, if you follow through that reading chart. David's strength was 100% found in God. And that's why he went out there in the middle of the backyard to play. That's why he went out there. Because he had been paying attention to who Goliath was and what Goliath was saying and that he was mocking the God of the Israelites. And he knew, my God will not be trifled with like that. And he marched out there with full confidence, saying, the, the Lord of Israel will protect me. He will not be trifled with like this. Jesus told his closest followers to count the cost. To Luke 9, 23 through 25. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. For what good does it a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits himself? It says, count the cost and take up your cross. So here's the deal. There have been some very smart people who are far smarter than I am dedicate their entire lives to digging at topics like this. I don't know where they were at in their own personal relationship with Jesus. I don't know. And it's not for me to judge. I just hope that possibly some of their motivation wasn't about winning a fight. But it was about winning souls. Because the only fight that really matters Jesus won on that cross. That's the only fight that really matters. And that's what we're rallied around. And that was a gruesome, bloody battle. And our salvation was bought with a cost of the life of Christ. And that is what we rally around. That is what we come together. That is what we draw our encouragement from. Same team. 
Team Jesus. Same team. 